This is a radio broadcast from the Good Boys Gone Bland. Seek shelter now. Hello and welcome to Good Boys Gone Bland, Season 7, Episode 7, Annihilation. I am Area X clone Denali, and I have no recollection of how I got here. Uh, I'm normal Ryan. Uh, I, I, I'm on the radio comms back at base. Uh, hi, this is Jace. Um, yeah, I got, uh, moved out of the, that area because of the poison water, I guess, uh, the chemical spill. Um, they took my house from mm. me and they didn't set me up with anything new, you know, but it's what the government does. Oh, that's very interesting, guys. Say, could you tell me where the human water supply is? Um, so, uh, citizen... We uh, don't interact with any of the uh, government agents. Uh, please, over. Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on. I'll handle this. Okay, okay. You you took my house from me, and now you don't want me to interact with this guy? He's cool. Yeah, tell him, Jim. Over. Yeah, that's that's kind of their whole vibe. Uh, You know, we we really just want to be careful here. Actually, uh, could you do me a favor and what are your coordinates? Over. Wait, over. Don't answer him, Jim. Fuck the feds. And that, folks, is Annihilation. <laughs> Dear God. Um, <laughs> that was so uninspired. <laughs> I'm sorry. So welcome to our show. We're seven episodes in uh, to our The Bunker season, uh, where we are uh, dissecting ten apocalypse movies, movies where the end of the world is at risk. And uh, how are we feeling? We're almost done with the season now. We've yeah, had a pretty I, big variety. I, I pressed a question to the group and earlier, and I was corrected, I think. Yeah. But my overall impression of this season is that a lot of it is pretty clean, right? Like a lot of PG-13 movies. Yeah, I, I think they are. Um, They kind of trend towards that, right? Because mm-hmm. these are big, usually big budget productions, and they, they want everyone to bring the family to watch, you know, the big San Andreas fault rip open and The Rock to save the day. Yeah, you know, a lot of like uh, you know, normie normies watch these yeah. movies and this was like not a normie movie no was... i think that's kind of the reason why it flew under the radar too is like it's alex garland which is yeah he, i love him a lot but like mm-hmm. his movies are never you know commercial hits yeah alex garland is visionary director behind 28 days later um i actually also like followed him closely in like the 2000s on the internet like because he was working on the halo screenplay uh around when like halo 2 and 3 came out and there was like so much buzz behind it uh and and just to think what we could have had like considering the response for the current halo show where uh master chief takes off his helmet and has sex which is the two things master chief wait what yeah that was the backlash i didn't know there was any backlash i don't hang out on that stuff (sighs) okay there's a new Paramount Plus Halo show, and Master Chief... Wait, in the first episode, he takes his helmet off, and he has sex. Those <laughs> are the okay. two... No, no. Yeah, those are the two things Master Chief never does, is you have know, sex you know, and take his I, helmet off. I'm not gonna... Actually, I didn't hear anything about this, but I'm not gonna knock the writer who was like, Master Chief's been fighting aliens for 20 years, okay? He wants to take his helmet off. <laughs> and they was had the power to put that in the script. Do you know? Was it was like it, a, was it, cause there's, there's a lot of ways right. you can go in that series. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was it was with it a human? human? Is that what you ask? Yeah. Yeah, of course it's with a fucking like, human, Star dude. Trek? Like, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, like, he Master... fucking grunt. <laughs> no, he did not. Okay, we don't even know, like, how that could mechanically work with the Covenant. That's why I'm asking, like, but, did they come up with some new lore? 
they would they had to because in canon okay i don't know if you guys read the halo novels oh god okay i've read four halo novels and i I happen to know for a fact that master chief um, fandom contributor over here yeah yeah had a fucking inhibitor uh, placed in it to inhibit his sexual desires he is asexual that's oh. right, Master Chief. He's an ace. He's an ace. He's an ace. Yeah. Thank you. I was looking for the word. Anyways, it would have been sick, is what I'm saying. It would have been sick if we can have a Halo movie with this, like, aesthetic, you know, mm. with some kind of twisted ass, like, imagine, like, the flood, how that could have been depicted. Oh, um, man. But you know what? I think this is the cool alternate universe where he adapts, you know, these books, and we, we get we get a cool piece like this. So, now, uh, have you read the books? Yeah, so I think I, I mentioned it maybe in a previous episode, too. Um, or just in a conver- real conversation with you guys of the Southern <laughs> Reach <laughs> in, in IRL. Yeah, so I read the the trilogy uh, of these books like kind of all at once when they first came out, like in like 2015 or something in college, hmm. and that was one of my favorite book experiences. Like I've never done that before where I read everything at once like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I can probably color that in a little bit during our review. But uh, those books are wild, man. Check them out. This, yeah, Julie uh, has yeah. what? Or she's read the first two. Oh, cool. Yeah, and. Uh, We've seen this movie a few times, us together. It's mm-hmm. one of our favorite movies. And so a lot of this watch experience, she read the books between our last two watches. Oh, cool. And she was like, yeah, that's not how they did it. I think Alex Garland even said he was like, he read the book once and was like, I'm not rereading it. I just want to like do it from memory. Um, just so it's like a dream. Huh. You know? and I like that. I, I did mean, too. it kind of, it, it's kind of like allows him to be like the audience. Cause even if the audience has read it, they don't have the book like, open and they're not like reading from it as they're watching the movie so like you know it's their memory kind of versus his memory yeah so yeah. when what um when do we get like our authors of books really putting making sure that some of these things are correct so it, it seems to me then based on what you're saying that i'm mm-hmm. looking here jeff vandermeer didn't have anything to do with the creation yeah. of the movie it was like a hands-off like, yeah. sold IP, like, and that's like usually what happens. Yes, yeah, so they hmm. sell a license. Oh, get that sweet so, bank. <laughs> get out. Who wants to do more work? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when it's a major buddy, studio, dude. you generally don't have author input unless the author is like you know a heavy hitter. Yeah. Okay. And can tank your whole production if they come out <laughs> against it. Like Stephen right. King doesn't. Even Stephen King can't really tank it anymore. Sometimes he like says that I do not support this. But then again, he sells his books to anybody. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah big studios will buy like rights in an entire package they will not fund something that has you know somebody has the oversight on them mm-hmm. like even when it's a director who knows what they're doing most directors don't get final cut and only a few directors do and a lot of the times it's when they're working with a studio that they've like founded <laughs> like uh yeah i think well i'm not gonna go into that I think a Stephen King season, just as a tangent, would be super sick to do because he has like a hundred movies, and we've seen Pet Cemetery, uh, oh, yeah. or Pet Cemetery Two, and he has movies that are just as wild, just as bad, but also also extremely good. That's <laughs> a really yeah. good idea. Um, hmm. Maybe for a, maybe for a future season. Oh but yeah, th- I have some. Oh yeah, go ahead. So building on that, I I was just having an idea for a new season because me and Julie have been talking about it, right, and. Right. Uh, Oh, you think you're going to get another one? Huh? You think no, you're gonna? I'm just saying. Yeah, fucking right. What, what, what do we need to do next season? <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking like, uh, you know, what actors are like famous enough that people are talked about? Like Ben Affleck, I guess. Matthew McConaughey, totally. Anne Hathaway, yeah. I heard someone mention Keanu Reeves in public the other day. So that was cool. So we did good oh, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I met my favorite locally owned, you know, support small business restaurant, Cracker Barrel. 
and uh, <laughs> we're sitting there for brunch, and there's a table full of people next to us. Like there's probably like six or seven people, and they're talking about movies for their entire breakfast. And they, huh. for about the majority of the time, they were describing the plots of their favorite Denzel Washington movies, like oh. one by one. And I didn't know if they were like actually a family or if they were like a movie club or something. <laughs> Was it like a seance where he's like, now you go. <laughs> Escape from Pelham 123. A cop comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. And But yeah, so I mean, Denzel Washington, he, he pulls like I, I don't think there's anything controversial yet. Yeah, he's got some killer movies. And I didn't connect that John David Washington was his son. What? Yeah. Is this from that nepotism post? Okay, this wasn't from the post. I knew this before the nepotism <laughs> post. Check it out on vulture.com. It's a good post. Uh, but yeah, he's got some killer movies. I'm trying to look up some Denzel movies. Um, Training Day. Training Man Day. Man on Fire. Flight. Wolf. A lot of dad core in here. Hello. Yeah. A lot of transportation related <laughs> movies as well. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Perhaps in a future season, um, after we do Fast and the Furious, I don't know, just you know, just just throwing that out there. But yeah, I mean, this this movie to like talk about, even to mention actors, like this movie's pretty stacked too. Yeah, considering like, I don't the, think it gets made for forty to fifty five million budget in twenty twenty two with the names that they have in here. Yeah, you got Marvel's finest up in here. You know, you got like Benedict Wong, uh, Tessa Thompson. Natalie Portman. I mean, like, ha- like yeah. Half so the, the Tessa Thompson thing is pretty uh, fortunate that this movie got made when it did, right? Did she blow up like after this? Yeah, with the Thor two or yeah. three, and I then mean, uh, I thought Jennifer Jason Leigh totally stole this movie. She was so good. Like, I mean, we can <laughs> we can get into the movie too, but like, yeah, her her delivery was like super fucking weird <laughs> and really good yeah i want i have like a whole little mini kind of speech i want to give about her she's this one of my favorite actor performances ever mm-hmm. um you guys think uh you get you guys think if animorphs are real they, they would be able to do this mission super good animorphs or, or, or would it fuck them up more you think? i think uh yeah f them up more or maybe it would like fix them because like you know you, you got someone like tobias right who's my favorite animorph he was the idiot who stayed the red-tailed hawk uh because oh, he, he too stayed long. too long mm-hmm. yeah um, but oh. if he went in here, could it like undo it? You know, because it's, it's like a prism. It like fucks with your DNA and your whole being. Maybe it'll turn him that, back. That's into a good human. point. Yeah, I I st- I don't agree that the movie used the term that way. So hearing you say it's like a prism, it fucks with your DNA is just really jarring. <laughs> the movie was Listen, like a lot I don't more. have like an English degree. I, like these the writers movie took like two hours to get to that like point. <laughs> it's prism. Fucking refracts, man. It's like the glasses of water, all right? The the refracting totally yeah. made sense when they were talking about RF waves. Got right. that? And then, I don't know, same thing, like, they used mirror or things got mirrored a lot. I don't, I, that, that seems like a better way than, mm, the cells are refracting. It, refra- it refracts reality. This is the only cure the Animorphs have, Okay. Okay, Did we already get, talk about what Animorphs we'd be? Like, wasn't it yes, the, the Ben? Extensively. <laughs> that was like the, one of the first conversations Panda. where I was like, yeah, this this is going to be a good podcast. Okay, all right. That was like 75 episodes ago. Yeah, I think I... Didn't I pick like... like clam? An oyster. Yeah, yeah an oyster. <laughs> wait, Ryan, wait, what did you pick? I don't remember. Do you remember? I, think, I like birds. I like birds. So it was a bird. Pick, right? I think it was but, a bird. But um, Jace, didn't that... Is that the whole Red Panda thing? <laughs> Yes. Oh, the red panda controversy where you, you'd say you'd repopulate. You would, you oh, would I didn't say help. that. Okay. 
you didn't you I didn't say like you said that yeah, i mean like I, we kind of have it like on tape and people bring it up <laughs> that, okay i think people have mentioned it in a lot of our reviews even like what about transformers you guys think transformers would do okay in this uh, in this universe yeah i don't know yeah i think they would be because um the only we saw fungus growing on um yeah. inorganic matter and the only thing we saw that uh, alluded to plant life kind of taking inorganic matter were the crystal trees. And I mm. think that might have had to do with the proximity of the ocean. So like a, a tree uh, mixing together with like crustacean. Yeah, um, or like it was so salty. They made like a salt a salt lamp. Sure. Um, yeah, so I don't think machines got messed up in there. What? Yeah, they didn't. Weird. Why are transformers yeah. like human cars if they're from a different solar system? Didn't you do you they remember, scan you remember? the cars when they, they get scared? The cars. <laughs> it's they're they're biomechanical and they show up and they're like, we need a disguise. So so you know, Optimus Prime disguised himself as a big rig with a crazy fucking decal that no one would drives. Or would think is suspicious. Uh but like I mean, how many so cars so, would so, you so think they just like go around to different solar systems and be like <laughs> We need to find one that yeah. has cars that look like us. No, no, I no. think so we'll they, I don't in. think what are you I don't think they had about? cars. <laughs> they they showed up like naked, right? They were robots when they when they came to Earth. And then they're all like shit, we're naked, they're gonna know we're robots. So let's scan something that we can turn into. It's like for them, it's probably like contortion. Like we can fucking fold our arms in and make it look like, you know, something else. Like we can tuck it into our jackets, make make us look like armless. So they can do the same by turning into like a you know a bmw or something so like a fighter jet if there weren't any animals would they just look like trees if there weren't any animals yeah like let's say they land on cars. some plants like eden or something okay. i don't think they would be concerned about transforming if there wasn't sentient life i think <laughs> they'd just anything? beat the crap out of each other because <laughs> that's like finally we can cut they loose. there then <laughs> it's like their well, whole thing right it's like for yeah. no reason whatsoever like Decepticons and all about it. it's like we gotta kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking war. It's a space war because Decepticons are fascists and mm -hmm. and Autobots they love the Constitution and democracy and that's that's they're, they're, why they came here. That's why they came here. <laughs> and remember in in Beast Mor we were talking about Beast Morphers the other day when there was no cars. Yeah, I also got a complaint. Uh, Who complained? By an unknown party. That it, uh, our beast morph conversation okay. was too long. Too oh. long. So okay. we're already pushing the boundaries Fine. here with Transformers. Then briefly, the beast morphers <laughs> turned into beasts to shield themselves from Energon uh, so they can be animals. All right. So that was already canon. They can turn into anything they want. Bugs, oh, blocks of so cheese. It could be trees. Cheese wars. Cheese formers. That would be good. Cheese formers would be sick. That's, like, a, that's in the deli. A cheese world. Yeah, yeah, like in the cheese. That's world. good, Jace. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, like if they were if they crashed into a deli, they crashed they, into a deli. Yeah. And they didn't bother walking outside. We, they were like, quickly, we gotta blend in. Just anything that's around. <laughs> a can of tuna. They're like really small, so they think the deli is the world. You know. Oh, so they're yeah. tiny transformers. Yeah. Cheese formers. Cheese formers. Robot disguise. <laughs> All these dang cheese formers. I thought I was going to enjoy a sandwich, but it was a robot again. They're ruining the deli. That's gruesome. <laughs> Dentists would love it. What if there okay. were aliens that were yeah. small? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>
we just got to weed out the people <laughs> who like this movie but don't like our bullshit. Okay, um, yeah, I have a question. I have a question. Okay. Two questions. Okay, please. The first is, who are our other two when we get sent into the shimmer? Okay, yeah, that, no, don't worry. Oh. That's and, a discussion. And then, yeah. when you pass through the shimmer, is your mouth open or closed? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you about only that. Get for quite one some time sh- yeah you only get I, one shot to taste the shimmer on the way in so mm-hmm. i'm gonna say open yeah i eat a lot of stuff if someone ever goes like hiking with me or yeah. really spends any time with me outdoors a lot of stuff goes in my mouth right so it's I'm naturally gonna, i'm mouth open mm. yeah i'd agree yeah like when you're doing like the debriefing like can you imagine being the genius who was like yeah and uh boss i tasted it anyone else taste it <laughs> Anyone else, uh... we, would, we would go crazy within six hours. <laughs> Everybody else lasts like two weeks. I mean, this is dangerously close, like as far as who we'd bring um, to our uh, I- infamous conversation about uh, who would do better in the Hunger Games that almost split our friend group apart Yeah, in I high was about school. to say, like, Michael's um, a pretty good choice. Can, also, like, this... he, would go and, he would go crazy and could kill you. So... Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe that's good. Maybe we can, we can look and think about our guests, you know, our three guests. <laughs> yeah. I guess there'd have to be an odd man out. My, Michael, for me, is too strong. He's he's larger than me. That's what I and mean. If he went crazy, he could probably kill us. Um, I think he's just so equally prone, and he'll agree when he hears us to getting hurt that mm-hmm. he's getting killed oh, by the bear. He's a big oath. <laughs> I don't think anything no. changes in this movie. I think he, he goes make down it with the bear. Across the field to the shimmer. Ah. An ankle. <laughs> Michael's never living down that ankle uh, injury he's talking about. I mean, I know uh, Joe is like a big fan of Swamp Thing, and I'm afraid that's going to like, he's going to be thinking about that while he's in there. We need to get some guests mm-hmm. that are a little more mentally stable. Yeah, do we have any? I mean, how is, I don't know Ryan Ball's mental condition, but I know he's a teacher. He's a he teacher, said. yeah. It's probably a, like it's probably a terrible thin line. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, but he's also like a mathematician. He could figure some stuff out. Oh, he would probably get invited, like, legitimately. Because like, yeah. they, they have different experts Why the that hell come would in. I be there? You're a lawyer, dude. You, you fucking sign off on shit. Like, they need a contract guy. Oh, um, yeah, I can do that. Or, and then, or if someone starts getting attacked, you'll be like... statutes? Yeah, you'll be like, you legally can't do that. And you can't sue alligators? us. Yeah. <laughs> this is assault! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jace, you're, you're a, um, a mechanical yeah. uh, materials guy. I would have grabbed... Yeah. Both of those tanks of propane is all I'm saying yeah. at the house. And yeah, Jace would be a good pick. I think Jace yeah. would be like a legitimately good pick. Yeah, solid pick. And then I guess I'd be a biologist. I'd be like the main character. Um, well, that's I'd probably, easy for you to say. I'd be, I am the main. I'm, the, I'm usually like, I think of myself as the main character mm. um, in, in most situations. And I think I would be in this one, at least. I think at the slightest hit of danger, you'd run and leave us to die. So <laughs> you are most it's likely to get to the end it's what she should have done <laughs> i think i'm i'm probably the closest analog to like tessa thompson's character where like i would just be like this place is pretty cool i'm gonna be a plant now Ooh. <laughs> okay we're talking about the movie too much you guys want to get into the synopsis and just like crack this thing open oh yeah yeah because yeah, i've got another question uh, yeah. regarding the shimmer so that's yeah uh so i mean ryan this was your pick Break it down like the, the, you know, the general skeleton of this. That way we can give our audience some structure. Because I think the audience is like, what's happening? It's like that they entered the shimmer. We're just saying a bunch of shit to them. 
And it's been two weeks. Yeah, so... <laughs> Since you looked at me... We watched Annihilation, if that's not clear. It's from 2018, which is rather recent, actually. I wasn't expecting that. Um, directed by Alex Garland. He made other hits, such as Ex Machina. Ooh, that was a good one. Uh, this movie is about a group of scientists led by... Kind of led by Natalie Portman's character, who is a biologist and is ex-military. And her husband is also in the military, played by Oscar Isaac. And he goes missing. Oh, no. So when he, like, shows up a year later and doesn't know where he came from and gets super sick, uh, she's like, WTF, bro. And then, um, yeah, a bunch of stuff happens to where she gets put on the edge of this, like, secret kind of, like, government, like, containment area. And the government has a base there, and they're studying this, like, thing that apparently crash-landed in the United States. And it's spreading, and it's growing, and they think it's going to take over the whole Louisiana. (laughs) And (laughs) so, uh, yeah, they send a team in to figure out what's going on and why no team that's ever went in has ever come back out. Yeah, Yeah, that's—I think that that about gets it. And, Jace, you said you had a question about this movie— you know, I don't want you to lose that. What, what were you thinking? Which, uh, okay, so Grime pointed out, meteor. Okay. Or uh, unknown UFO, kind of. Crash lands, creates a shimmer. Shimmer's expanding. They talk about um, they talk about going into the shimmer and how they've tried to go in from multiple directions, be it by sea, uh, through, through the swamp that our characters go through. I was thinking about which way I'd want to go in, mm. knowing that you, like, black out for six days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Inside the shimmer in the ocean might be the scariest shark creature with claw <laughs> arms that you've ever seen in your life. Oh! And I was like, I was like, uh, hmm, would I really want to go in through the water? I Which think, way, yeah, the idea about the beach is a good idea. So, like, eventually they get so far into the shimmer, which is what they call it, and like people be dying, and mm. stuff is not real stuff anymore, and uh, they're like. Do we turn around or do we keep going until we hit the coastline and then turn and follow the coastline out? And I think the coastline is not a bad idea, right? There shouldn't be like like too much trees for giant crab people to hide behind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless they're sand crabs and come out of the sand. Oh. Like, I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring recently and yeah, uh, just giant tell. crabs coming out and lobsters coming out of the water. <laughs> it's been very traumatizing. Uh, but I agree, Jace, like... I don't know. I think maybe even uh, skydiving, like from the sky. <laughs> I think that'd be terrible. You never open your chute. <laughs> well, that's. It seems like they're autonomous for some amount of yeah, time after they enter the chute. Yeah. What did they d- address this in the book that you so, recall? So, like in the book, it's a little. I mean, honestly, the movie takes like ten percent of the book. Mm. Uh, the book, they what they do is they hypnotize everybody. Um, to to go in so they don't go insane because apparently crossing the threshold of the shimmer is so fucking disturbing uh, that it like just like fucks their brain. So in the book, there the hypnotism like makes it so they can't really remember shit well. But I think um, Area X also scrambles your brain in general too. Hmm. Which so it sounds like they were uh, they were still like exploring and shit. They just couldn't remember what they were doing. They're like, wait, what the fuck was I doing? Like I set up this shit and I wrote this stuff down, but like, uh, which is like. Kind of disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe until they up. had enough of the shimmer in them or something to, that they were like, oh, this is my environment now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, skydiving? I don't know. I thought about that too, but but then again, like, that's not a situation where I'm like, yeah, 
I'm in control. A, there's a thick margin of error here. <laughs> a fucking pterodactyl comes out. They also and might just... think, why did you know? Why did no team survive? Why did no team, uh, you know, live or ever come back? Maybe the skydiving has something to do with it. Maybe they're just splat. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, listen. Have, I would have raised my hand in that situation. I'd be like, has anyone tried skydiving in, or have they all just been walking in like idiots? Uh, I have a question after his question. Have we tried nuking it? <laughs> no nuking in this movie. <laughs> they didn't try digging underneath it and then popping out uh, Diglett style Ooh. in the middle oh. of the... That would have been that pretty, I don't wanna, pretty smart. You do not want to be underground once you've crossed the threshold <laughs> of the, the shimmer. shimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a bunch of mole people like pulling you through the water, through the dirt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie, I think um, this kind of universe, too, kind of conjures a lot of your imagination because you see all these aberrations. Like what they say in the in the movie, we, we kind of touched on earlier, is that Area X, um, you know, operates as, as kind of like this prism, like we were saying, um, and kind of distorts everything in there, including biological organisms. And it kind of makes you think about all the scary ass shit. <laughs> we only see like three scary ass things in this movie, yeah. but it makes your mm-hmm. brain go all, all sorts of places. That's what I like so much is because like after the first two things you see, yeah, you're like, hell no, I don't <laughs> want there to be a third thing. Like, yeah. Please just go. I like the bears and the crocodiles are like the two things you need Holy to be scared shit. about down there. And they like turn into like the scariest version of those things I've ever seen in my life. So mm-hmm. like the idea kind of to me would be like the next thing to go is like the humans right and that's kind of the way the movie goes but Mm -hmm. the this movie does such a good job of like saying first things got a little weird (laughs) then things got pretty weird and then things are completely unrecognizable and Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a good way to keep like you know the pacing going because it is a slow movie let's be really clear there's only about Mm -hmm. three or four you know quick scenes and the the progression of these people not being able to figure anything out because normally when you're in a place for like a couple of weeks you start to you know put things together yeah you know like oh the sun rises here the sun sets here which is the direction we're going but these people are just totally lost and it wouldn't make sense it would be really boring to watch if they were in the same place you know at the same level of understanding and th- things weren't getting more confusing so I I actually really liked how like. They were sophisticated characters trying to solve a really complex problem, but it was just like way too complex. Yeah. Mm. And I think you mentioned uh, like in a previous episode, like one of our uh, probably our horror season, Ryan, um, when you're talking about like how when the, if the characters are really competent and they're doing like the right things, but the situation is still going downhill. That's like more scary. You know, like we didn't have. You know, Natalie Portman being like, oh, what was that noise? I'm going to go outside and walk into this bear. Like she was everyone was acting, you know, like I think in in the right way or even when someone was like losing their mind, you still empathized with them Mm because it's still a scary situation. No one was acting stupid, I think. And like the one time where, okay, there's one scene in this movie where (laughs) shit just hits the fan and it is so well done because like you don't realize you're watching the setup for that scene in the previous scenes and then everything hits at the same exact point where you're like oh what if that person was right and that the guy who's got his stomach cut open by his friends was not crazy like yeah like there would be like you're kind of going under the assumption that the main characters have things right Right. and i really liked the the kind of like the other shoe dropped where like oh no natalie portman doesn't have any control over the situation anymore and Mm -hmm. really nobody does and 
in a movie that has so much crazy stuff, just seeing everything go as a free for all for like a couple <laughs> minutes on the TV screen. Yeah. And that's a, a lot different when you're in a movie like Friday the 13th, where it's Jason Voorhees and oh no, it's the main character. It's the big fight. And then this movie where you're like, there's a mutated bear who's half <laughs> alligator, half person, half tree. And then there's a person who's crazy but has worms in them. <laughs> it's like a there's a lot more unknown. Yeah. Like, I think th- this is the reason why I didn't mind too much at all that the, the movie wasn't faithful to the book. Like, I wasn't being like, that didn't happen. Because he actually, like, Alex Garland and the writers captured the feel of the book, which is so much more important, I think, in this case, uh, than actually capturing the beat-by-beat plot points. Because in the book, it, it's I, I wish I like kept the interview that I, I read like a while ago from Jeff Vandermeer. Like the way he writes, he's like this weird like word scholar where he will take implied meaning with the type of words he picks. So like he'll for example he'll be like describing like a field of flowers in the book, right? And it's a long passage, and all he's doing is describing flowers. But based on the words he's picking, you know like something's fucked up is happening. Something fucked up's happening to the character's mind, and you get this building sense of, like, nervousness. You're like, oh, shit, what the fuck's happening? This is really disturbing. And this movie kind of captures that, where they'll have, like, certain visualizations, or, like, mm. the tone, or, like, the the music, and certain shots where you're like, something's wrong, and I'm really nervous and on edge. <laughs> and when some of these big moments happen, it's more like a holy shit than, I think, like, a lesser movie would have been able to pull off. I think that uh, one of my one of my first and, like, largest points throughout this is that um the direction for the the movie and a lot of the shots i was gonna make a meme about it it was like they probably had a poster somewhere and it just said rule of thirds and whenever somebody was like how should we shoot this scene he'd like swat it with like a ruler like (laughs) rule of thirds rule of thirds because they're they're one um that's why i also complained about the prism because they talked about mirroring there's so much symmetry in the movie. In the opening scene where she's being interrogated, where Natalie Portman's character is being interrogated by Benedict Wong, uh, everywhere else when they are in the shimmer, I think one of my favorite scenes was in the shimmer when they are entering the base camp where Kane, her husband, cut the guy's stomach open. Uh, we get this like really nice shot, rule of thirds, where it's very clear that they're traversing from wilderness into this camp. And your boundaries are set by the fence mm. and the characters passing through that middle third of the frame. Um, but like I'll, I'll, so much of this movie, symmetric in a lot of different ways and visually appealing because of it. But I think almost if I w- almost being so aware of it, I was like, I, I couldn't tell if it was being overdone. Yeah, I know what you mean. So like, I think one of the biggest criticisms of this movie is that the cinematography is a little kind of blasé for what they're going for. There was nothing truly innovative about the way this movie was shot technically, in my opinion. And that's something that you kind of expect from a movie that's this like big and in your face about how weird it is. Like, I thought the direction was absolutely fantastic. The casting was awesome. They've got these really, really incredible actors to do these jobs. And, I mean, the production was so unique i've never seen another movie like this and if yeah. i do see another movie like this it's going to be a ripoff of this movie <laughs> and i'm like hey what the hell yeah but the cinematography didn't really break any new barriers and so i totally agree with you jace and there were a couple i would say singular shots where i was like oh that's actually kind of interesting but everything looked good like every single time i was thinking about what i'm looking at i'm like oh this look works really good it's really effective 
And that's okay. Like, there's nothing saying you have to break the rules. Like, sometimes you can paint by the numbers, and the numbers are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree that it's not that exciting. But, yeah, that, if that's the biggest complaint about a movie like this that I can come up with, like, then, hell yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Like, I think you can take a still frame from a lot of shots in this movie and make a sick-ass poster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that way, like, I mean, I, I made a comment to Amber, which probably is, like, an overstatement, but this is kind of like Space Odyssey for, like, biologists. It, it's a movie that's really abstract and obtuse. You have, like, these very slow shots, you know, really, like, uh, cinematic. I mean, it's a movie, but, like, you know, these these shots that look, like, amazing and you can take fucking posters from, and then you have this 15-minute wordless sequence at the end that's all just visual like hardly any audio besides just like the soundtrack i think it's fucking sick to see a movie like this we don't get a lot of sci-fi movies that really take like an artistic flair to it so no i totally agree and Mm -hmm. i think the strongest as much as i love this movie for like the visuals and the acting especially by the two main leads i i love this movie more than anything for the score like the score is up there on my Mount Rushmore. I think that, like, especially the end scene is just so phenomenally well done. With the the music choice when they do, when they choose songs that already exist, it's great. But then when they have, like, an original song, too, not just, like, a background bah, music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so well done because the thing kind of about, like, the, the visuals refracting into patterns. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what music is. Music following patterns. and And for... If that end scene just had like a kind of a droll in the background that tried to make you feel uneasy, we wouldn't get the point that they're making about everything being repeating. That's that's a good point about like the music kind of reflecting uh, the visual aesthetic. And that sequence was fucking amazing. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you, Ryan, a while back too. Like the uh, that sample in that end sequence, that kind of like drone is sampled from like a Mode Rat album. M-O-D-E-R-A-T. Like that's a that's an album I really liked in college. Uh check it no, out. I if know. You guys... And you told me about yeah. that and I started listening to that <laughs> yeah, album yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet. Um yeah, and if you guys really like the like textural aesthetic of that, you know, check out Motorat. It's like very like 2013 dance music, but it's still a great album. Mm-hmm. Um they take a lot of that aesthetic quality and atmospheric, you know, cool ass album. Let's be clear, this is this movie as an experience for you, the listener, if you have not watched it i would slap you if you listen or watch this movie on an airplane (laughs) do yourself a favor and one i think which could be a criticism watch the movie in a dark room because even on a very bright screen or a bright tv it's it's a it's a visually dark movie and they use a lot of contrast between outdoor and indoor scenes and two do yourself a favor and listen to it in the best way that you can because it it really this is like the type of movie that watching in a movie theater would be yes probably one of the, probably the best way because you have that sound system so jace have you seen this movie before i've watched this movie four times I oh think. okay four okay times. okay yeah. just a bunch say, of fans here yeah because I, I was like yeah i didn't know how you would react to it either so i i thought you would really like it but uh yeah no totally the so one thing i want to talk about with the audio is that when I first watched this movie, I watched it just in my apartment on my TV at night, but there's a certain, and I bring this particular clip up like when and when I'm talking to anybody about movies and a similar thing comes up, but like most movies, the jump scares are visual, and then they take an audio clip and they go like, Dee! like to make you scared when mm. something happens. It's kind of like a fake jump, and that's a lot of the ways horror movies build 
up, like at least, you know, slashers and stuff, they build up like that. But you can create such an atmosphere with just audio when nothing is happening on the screen that that's normally what we associate with like a suspenseful movie, right? Like the, the kind of the general sound in the background tells us what to feel about what's happening on the screen. But this movie does the only, in my mind, that I could, that I know of, the only like audio jump scare that I've ever had in my entire life. And it's not like the fact that something was said or done or there was a noise when I wasn't expecting it, but like what is said makes like made me jump the first time I watched this movie. And so that once again, if you have seen this or if you haven't seen this movie, turn the, this episode off. <laughs> but at the end, when they're in the lighthouse and Oscar Isaac has the his character has the uh, tripod set up. And there's a burnt corpse against the wall that Natalie, Natalie Portman sees the camera looking at this corpse that's like self-immolated. Mm-hmm. And so she watches the recording on the camera and she turns out it's her husband. So already you're like, oh, man, this is freaking wild. And then he starts <laughs> talking to the camera before he self-immolates. And I mean, that's a character we know that it's alive. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we know that character's alive. Mm-hmm. And he says, we think he's talking to the camera and he's telling the person watching the video, hey, look, this is really crazy, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm going insane, but I need to kill myself. And then he says, if you ever see my wife, tell her I love her. And without anything changing on the entire screen, this is all happening, like, as you're watching, you're watching him sitting on the ground with his grenade. And there's a voice that's like really, if you have like, this is one reason why the sound you watch this on is going to be so important. It's like the voice is like really, really present. And it says, right, it feels like it's standing right <laughs> next to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, because in reality, Natalie Portman's character is watching this movie. And yeah. so are we. And then a voice from the same position that Natalie Portman's character is standing at says, I will. And like the the knowledge ah! that this character is not alone, yeah. he's talking to someone, and, and we thought he was talking. To, we thought he was talking to us, and it's the same voice. And then two seconds later, steps in front after of the grenade goes off, he walks in front of the camera, and it's that character again. And we're like, Wah! like <laughs> so that like the I will moment. I remember me and Julie both jumping out of our seats when that was said because we were watching on like full blast on our TV, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I totally think this movie does some things that are very 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 creative yeah that was that's a great scene ryan and i mean you're you're, you're probably going to bring this up anyways too but like the other really scary ass audio thing we we're talking about is the the bear scene yeah where <laughs> help me yeah help she's replicating me. the scream of the scientist it killed which kind of ties into like the whole like i think you've probably guys probably seen this like the cancer metaphor of this movie um where they're where you know they're, they're doing multiple references to cancer throughout like area x is expanding um they're talking about like you know cell biology and mutations the, the line about like to be remembered in your last moments when you're suffering which is kind of like a fear of a lot of cancer patients that was just like profoundly disturbing in that scene too uh, where it's just like the last moments of that suffering scientist is being blasted out of this bear in this really great scene where they're all tied to chairs and they're about to be stabbed by like the, the one like crazy scientist. Um, that was just like fucking a plus. Like, um, I don't know, what would you guys do? What would you guys do I, in that scene? If you're fucking, am I, am I strapped to the chair? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely, somebody else would need to be like, do not react. <laughs> and that bear putting its mouth on Tessa yeah, Thompson's character shit. and then like biting down. <laughs> 
Because how did she know that? She was like, don't react, guys. I won't attack you. Because <laughs> it like, wasn't attacking them and they react. weren't reacting. <laughs> I wasn't doing jack shit before, man. <laughs> yeah, what were you going to say, Ryan? It reminds me of, I, I, I was doing some Googling, but I yeah. cannot find the answer. So we can leave this part up. But there's a movie where the bad guy or like a ghost or the, the whatever the bad creature is, before it's like set in for the uh, characters, there's somebody who says like, oh, hey, I'm in the kitchen. And then the the main character starts walking towards the kitchen. And then the person that they said that they heard speak oh, yeah. grabs them from behind and says like, shh, you know, like, oh, someone's replicating my voice in my own house. Like that yes. sort of vibe uh, comes to the bear scene. And I, I totally love that scene. That scene scared mm-hmm. the absolute shit out of me. So this was the third time <laughs> I've seen the movie. But the second time I've watched that scene, because the second time I watched the movie, I'd close my eyes. Yeah. I think that was like a creepy pasta on Reddit because they were like Shh, I heard it too and it yeah, was like there's like a, there's like a right, yeah. famous story or like a movie And that's yeah, a yeah. good ass like piece of like internet literature too like that's fucking creepy. That always gives me like chills when I think about it. Did I got a I got we're we're talking about the scene right now and we talked about yeah. the scene with um with Oscar Isaac on the hand cam. Did either of you notice the change in accent? Like in that scene, oh, yeah, or it like it really pulled me out of it. Like I felt like the first, and I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be artistic or not, or he was like, you know, he was saying he was going crazy, so maybe he was like acting, attempting to act a weird way. But he, we've heard multiple lines of dialogue from him in the movie, and he starts that off in like a weird Southern American, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like a Southern accent where he's like, "My name's Kane," and then like two <laughs> sentences later, shifts back seen to a his today? <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, I, I don't think I picked it up any of the other times I watched it, but this time, like with a critical eye for the podcast, I was like." what just happened <laughs> wait because amber commented on that too because she was like is that the same guy wait no because he has a different voice and i'm like yeah. no no it's the same like i bet you like that was the first scene they filmed and they got like such a good take and they're like yeah he's talking funny but like <laughs> <laughs> we spent all this money on the phosphorus dummy and like we can't redo it well also the a-listers oh, don't get direction you know oh. They get oh, they yeah. get leeway on how to deliver their lines. Right, right. And he's like, I think I should do a southern accent in just this one scene. Uh, <laughs> for three sentences, and then I will talk how I talk in every other movie. <laughs> yeah, Oscar up uh, like I was in Star Wars. <laughs> he was <laughs> you shut the fuck up. Trivia piece. He was yeah. recording this and Star Wars at the same time, two sets next to each other, using the same trailer for both. Wow. That's awesome. Shit. Was it? It was well, last I, Last Jedi, right? Like the probably about, about this time. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I yeah. just read the trivia on. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool though. I mean, that's shit. Um, he's also in Alex Garland's other project, Ex Machina. Oh, which God, I mean, yeah. what, that movie I walked into blind. My friend was like, "Let's just go see it," and we watched it in a movie theater. And so that was another really great experience for me. So I went into this movie blind and Ex Machina blind. I could totally recommend going that way if you have listened this far in the podcast that's no longer an option <laughs> yeah ex machina is is another amazing movie are we are we starting to notice a pattern in his movies where they do not have a happy ending I, well ex machina was happy for the robot <laughs> <laughs> two men were like beaten well one starved to death one was beaten to death. about that and about the ending i heard there is a red but didn't read enough to fully clarify that the i think main producer of the movie thought that 
it, the ending was like a little bit too intellectual mm-hmm. and wanted it changed. But I'm not quite sure if if it was for the theatrical version that we just watched. So do either of you? No, it wasn't changed. Yeah. Because okay. like I, I read the a similar trivia, Jason, that was like, apparently, yeah, the executives wanted to change the ending. And like you said, like make it not so like, you know, intellectual and shit. But I guess the producers, you know, to their credit, stuck with the director. And they were like, we're not fucking changing the movie. We're going we're gonna to keep this like obtuse ass <laughs> crazy movie. And what sucks is that the executive was right from like a, you know, financial standpoint. Sure. This movie yeah. bombed, bombed ass in theaters, which sucks. But I think they get so much more cred and respectability because like this is like a cult hit. People went back and were like, oh, this was underappreciated. You know, people, I heard like they kind of recomped a bunch of revenue just from like DVD buys of this movie. Hmm. Uh, just because like, you know, I think there's a certain subset of people who really, really fucking enjoyed it and were willing to go out to bat for it. And that's what like being an artist is all about. You know, it's like having people who really fucking love what you're doing uh, versus just having a shitload of people just kind of like what you're doing. I feel like um, it's more meaningful. I, mean, I totally agree, Danelle. And yeah. that's why I like watching these movies and not always watching blockbusters because yeah. let's be real, even the people who go to watch blockbusters don't love them. Like, right. so I had a really great experience watching this movie and it's one of about, I think, three movies I can think of that. I didn't have any expectations going in, but I saw them in theaters and was just completely blown away that they instantly were at the top of my favorite movies of all time list. And so I have a list of my favorite movies on um, Letterboxd and Annihilation is in there. I mean, it's up with like the best movies I've ever seen because I liked watching them. Not like I shouldn't say the best movies I've ever seen. My favorite movies. Right. Because like the experience of watching this movie is so much different than like breaking the movie down into its component parts. And mm-hmm. this this movie can be described differently by two different people. And people will think it's not the same movie we're talking about. And that's why like the us three, I'm really excited to like look at our movie scores and stuff because it's going to be interesting to see how each of us interpreted things differently. And that's not what you want when you want a big, you know, commercial success. Yeah, I agree. And uh, right, have you seen Stalker yet uh, by Tartofsky? No, no, no. We're not okay. allowed to talk okay. about Stalker because right. I haven't seen it. All right. That's why I saw the movie Stalker. And I'm, I'm, I know. Yeah. I yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. to somebody else about it. I, know, I watched I'm sorry. that fucking four hour movie. <laughs> I can't, I'm holding it all in. I can't even vent about it. All right, we're back from a brief break here. Um, and before like before we get into like our meters, um, I, I do want to talk about kind of the end of this movie, right? Like there's a there is a a wrap up, yeah, you know, a solution. And you know, we talked about like the end sequence where Lena encounters the silvery copy of herself uh, in that really awesome wicked ass scene where she encounters the alien. And then what? she she kind of convinces it or she kind of like tricks it into taking a phosphorus grenade and burning itself yeah right and she burns the whole lighthouse which is the source of area x and the shimmer and the shimmer's gone that's what we did it guys really leads me to believe a missile could have a a a singular missile understanding (laughs) the coordinates of that lighthouse could have solved this entire problem much faster than three years (laughs) no jace the missile would have gotten confused (laughs) the missile would have been like i'm a deer (laughs) i'm a deer now (laughs) I mean, they did say guidance systems got fucked up when they try to send shit in, like drones and it shit. It goes in a straight line. <laughs> when it, when yeah, it a guided mis- missile, yeah. Yeah, would, but like, what if the, the missile a... engine 
is like, you know, where am I? It also Wh- has a diameter. You know where the lighthouse is. Fly a helicopter I don't, two miles the thing above is they, it. They, they just go, know. <laughs> They didn't know what was at the lighthouse. That's true. They wanted to know. Yeah, it yeah. might have been an actual alien. I, I think, Which it you was. know, if this was directed by anybody else and not written as a book. Michael Bay. Based on every other <laughs> movie we've seen, the U.S. government would and should have nuked it. And, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm reeling from the fact that it was not in there yeah. i'm glad that there wasn't like a president scene either oh god yeah could you imagine like well, they, waiting, have, Mr. they have two weeks to get to the lighthouse <laughs> before we fucking <laughs> nuke it <laughs> i'm richard nixon the second i love how um because they, they didn't like just try to destroy it because they were like excited about the alien and like benedict wong was like so so you saw the alien right he was like so excited and she was like no nah, i don't remember <laughs> what it looked like <laughs> he's like come on <laughs> he's like what did it look like what did it say what did it want and she's like i don't know and, like just giving the most yeah. frustrating answers <laughs> it reminds Which, me of spongebob yeah. when uh plankton builds a robot of him uh he's like now make me a crabby patty it's like i don't feel like it (laughs) yeah and the the lena that comes back is revealed to be a mimic right you know like she has or at least have the shimmer in her yeah Yeah. that's what i was i was gonna ask that question if if the i mean we've obviously talked about the book being completely different than the movie but I really couldn't tell in that scene if it was just that the effect of the shimmer has persisted in her biology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in in the movie, like, just if we considered the movie and just, like, its own, you know, insular thing, like, I think that's a legitimate interpretation that maybe she, like, she was corrupted by the shimmer just from from being in there and maybe Oscar Isaac's in the same way. Um, in the well, book, the and I guess, like, yeah, like, in, in like, book spoilers... Uh, it is like confirmed that she is a clone like that that comes back and oscar isaac the, her husband is actually dead like in the book like he dies of cancer like really quickly as soon as he comes back because all the copies are like fucked up versions mm. um and the second and third books are is actually following lena's copy as she tries to backtrace what happened to the original and she's kind of like working with the southern reach and like the new director and they're like trying to figure out what the fuck is happening and it's kind of cool and she assumes like a new name because she has a different identity like Ghostbird. but like i mean honestly this movie could have a separate interpretation just because it's so different i feel i I mean visually yeah it has to unless you're asking us as the audience to accept that in the short amount of time you showed like they played with time a lot Mm -hmm. a lot of the cuts cut to blacks for in, in between these scenes were time skips also so that they could forward the plot without you know dragging us down say like hey this is where we put something in the past because we need to waste six days we need to waste this travel um there wasn't much of that at the end there wasn't enough of that at the end for me to feel comfortable with that without it feeling like a cop-out because Mm. there was there was such a it was it was so tight beyond her getting hit in the head getting punched that like if if you're saying that anywhere in that sequence there was a clone created that wasn't the first one that she killed, then I'm like, what happened? Yeah. What happened? What? I think for me, it's like they thought that the fire killed all the things in the shimmer, but maybe not like, you know, the animals that have the shimmer in them. And she already does, even though like there wasn't another 
copy that came out of the lighthouse with her. Like, you know, because she had the shimmer in her before she went in the lighthouse. So why wouldn't she have it when she came out? She didn't burn. Wait, she had the shimmer in her before she went out? Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. she was being corrupted by it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I also think, um, you know, we don't necessarily know that her copy died, even though we saw it on fire and, like, kind of collapse. True. We don't know if it was completely destroyed, which True. is possible. And the bigger thing for me is that, like, Oscar Isaac, who we know was a mimic, had the same shimmer in his eyes. Yep. So that, that to me, was kind of like, you know, th- they could be the same thing. But either way, uh, much like, you know, a metastasized cancer cell, you know, you have these two remnants who could still wreak havoc on our world, despite Area X you mm. know, being, you know, wiped out in, in this movie. Okay, Which, I, by the way, doesn't happen in the book. I, you know, just saying. <laughs> I, I, like, I like that, and glad you put it forward, because I think the end scene could have had the same emotional weight without adding the almost gimmicky eye CGI where she really addresses that he alone is not the same one and then she's okay with that because really delving into what these characters and the reason what these characters motives are and the the theme of self-destruction right like she went into the shimmer because she cheated on her husband and now he's dead and she's experienced the shimmer herself and maybe it's a weight off the character's shoulders that she like did her character did what they could but then you know it's not her husband so in a way you can you know def- deflect around the the actions and the and, and what the character did in the past and mm-hmm. you know like maybe having him there gives her some kind of like redemption a little bit like maybe yeah. she can yeah, that was an interesting part of the movie, like the theme of, of self-destruction. Like they, they implied that the husband kind of was more willing to leave and go on this like kind of suicide mission uh, because he knew about like the affair. Um, and she was carrying a lot of grief and guilt from that, too, and was also just grieving because her husband died, you know, and, and wanted to go in there, too. And they kind of talk about like this pattern of self-destruction that humans are are driven to, which, you know, I think is an interesting theme. I don't know if I agree with that thesis, yeah. but like yeah, I agree. Um, for the for the movie, it was it was really cool. And then that that scene building up to when the psychologist she she says the annihilation line, which I thought was just a really cool way. That was the coolest use of saying the movie title. I think we've had this season. Uh, they say it once, I think <laughs> once or twice. And you, it was you more didn't effective. like in Twelve Monkeys when every time they said the movie title, <laughs> like those weird circus <laughs> music started playing. <laughs> yeah and well it's what's crazy though and like i don't want to talk about sorry i'm talking about the book so much this is not the book review but like uh the book mentions the word annihilation and it is used completely different than the movie like in the book annihilation is a code word for like the hypnosis um but in this one they used it to tie like this narrative together about like the theme of the movie and i was like that is so fucking cool and i think that works for the movie like better than they could have done like than if they just did a one-to-one adaptation yeah i i think I agree that the themes of this movie, you know, might not be 100% buy-inable, but I like that it has themes. It's not just like, what if the moon fell down? (laughs) The theme is moon falling. And uh, I mean, I would love for them to make like an authority, which is like the the, the sequel uh, book. But like, can we make our like our own Annihilation 2? Like, what would we what would we do for, for a sequel to this movie? You know, first off. We're going to not stick by what actually happens in the book. Okay. Yeah. She's going to move to LA. Okay. She's going to strike out on her own and try and get a foot in the business. She's going to yeah. DNA the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. Wait, I like turn it. Turn into a <laughs> beast bridge. 
And then we find out that a rogue satellite has pierced the ozone layer. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Bruce Willis is in it for some reason because he's in all these. Okay, well that's that's a cool that's a cool one. Um, I was thinking like the clones that's going to get are... a budget of four hundred million dollars. Yeah, you can just say... <laughs> that's getting greenlit over whatever else you say. And that's how much you'd have to pay Natalie Portman uh, alone just to even <laughs> entertain Annihilation this idea. Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, absolutely not, no fucking way. Uh, what about the clones are now beast morphers and uh, they have to defend the planet no. from evildoers because they have the DNA. No powers. more beast morpher content. Okay, I'm just saying. What if they were? Did it? Uh, did it? Was it contending with anything big at the box office? Because well, like an open the box game. office corner, uh, <laughs> there was a certain big contender uh, when this came out. It's huge. Okay, can, this one was like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you guess. You want to just. 2018. Was it another? Is it Probably similar a genre? Marvel movie. Black Again, Panther. There, it's the Black Panther. Uh, number one that week, and then Annihilation was number three. Uh, number three that week. Can you guess number two? I bet you can't. <laughs> was it its first week? Uh, number two was in its. Let's see here. It was in its first week. Mm. It made five million dollars, and it starred. Uh, I, I fucking watched this movie. I don't even remember. It has Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams in it. Oh, uh, and the kid from Freaks Game and Night. Geeks. It is Game Night. How'd you know Game huh. Night? You remember Game Night? <laughs> seen, I think Denali. Did we see that together? I don't think we saw it together. Mm. Jace, you're part of the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I think one more ticket. We would have made Annihilation too. I saw Annihilation. <laughs> I believe I saw Annihilation in theaters. Well, no, should have twice. Maybe this was. Hard to say. I didn't. This was when I was dealing with my concussion. Couldn't watch movies for a year. <laughs> I don't have to watch this shit later. This was the movie um, you chose to come out of that with. <laughs> I was like, all right. Am I currently having another concussion? <laughs> I mean, I think everything on the TV looks normal. <laughs> what if they built a good shimmer to fight the bad shimmer? Oh, interesting. Like, like instead of refracting all into bad things, they refracted into good things that didn't kill. All right, <laughs> let's let's do the disastometer, right? Yeah. Disastometer. How disaster was this movie? And uh, oh, I guess Ryan, you start us off. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I. So once again, we do two different meters. It's not called the disasterometer either. It's called the pocketometer. Could be. Uh, we do. I mean, we we rate it to. on a scale of how, <laughs> like, does, well does it comport with what we think the theme should have, and then we rate it for a movie. So first, uh, I think this is a difficult one. This is almost not an end of the world movie, right? I mean, it does have an alien presence so like uh this is like a you know takeover movie i call them takeover movies where like you have signs or uh invasion of the body snatchers and stuff like that my favorite movie the thing is a takeover movie and the implication i guess would be what if this got into the real world unchecked and it took over the whole world that's kind of the only end of the world scenario i see from this unless you live in like shrevesport louisiana then I could understand you thinking this is end of the is world. Is there a Shreveport? Did you just pull that out of your ass? <laughs> Shreveport? Yeah, is that a big... Uh, do you know Shreveport, Jace? No, but it was it said in the na- the movie? No. I think it nearby. takes place in Florida. Huh. Oh, I thought it was in Louisiana. Yeah, it is. It's if, like if this thing was in Florida, in, there'd be yeah. photos of it all over Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah. so I don't know. Like The end of the world didn't happen, so that's that's something off. Yeah, not many other like that points yeah. that we normally hit. There's not like an mm-hmm. impending doom. And so as much as I want to say like The Thing is an end of the world movie, because in that movie, Kurt Russell's character actually runs like 
or I guess it's not his character, but somebody runs a simulation that says, what right. if this thing gets to the mainland? How soon will it take over all humans? And we're told the answer. Mm. In this movie, that's never even discussed. Usually that is. And all Ventress says is like, it'll take over states. So um, I'm going to have to go pretty low. So let's go with like a two, which all right, I, two, I mean, yeah. once again, it's not how I feel about the movie, but I, I think this is a kind of an edge case. Mm-hmm. And it makes me understand like the difference between a real end of the world movie and a movie that's kind of end of the world adjacent. No, I, I agree, Ryan. Like um, my apocalometer is also not going to be very high. You know, the threat of Area X was, as you said, described to be expanding, which was legitimate. Like that is like a concern that they don't know like when this thing's going to stop. And they, they did show like the previous Southern Reach office that got swallowed up by Area X. Um, but there wasn't like a sense of urgency to hurry up and stop it. Uh, it was more of like a focus on the exploration of its like nature. Um, it wasn't like a, you guys got like fucking one week before it expands again. Like they didn't have any of that to the movie's benefit. And we didn't get scenes of like the shimmer pressing into new territory and people getting like consumed in it. And they're like, Mm -hmm. ah, like, yeah, that's coming. There was no birds doing weird shit, which I feel like would have been perfect for this movie. One bird. Um, was there a bird? When was the One bird? One single bird on top of the guard tower. Bird flies away. Doesn't do anything else. Wow, just Nothing some else bird was watch. I was regular. gonna complain about <laughs> Th- that. Thank you for the bird. <laughs> so the bird was doing normal bird shit. Yeah, it could. Okay, and it could have been okay. like a wasp bird. And it yeah, wasn't. It, it was just a regular bird. <laughs> In a movie where every animal is fucked up, they chose the bird to be the normal one. Okay. Uh, And then uh, no Golden Gate Bridge. Actually, like no San Francisco at all in this movie, unless you guys saw a scene. Um, How so that, dare. There was that yeah no she's there from was, baltimore too because she's yeah. from johns hopkins different That's, ass coast <laughs> so um and then uh there was no staying behind to trigger the bomb that which is uh you know they, they got kind of close with like the clone grenade scene uh but like that's not gonna cut it you know the clone is not the main character so oh, that's uh, not that's, a technicality that's not, gonna, that's not a technicality listen i'm a fucking ref over here so this is gonna be pretty low i do think i do think this was a danger okay but maybe this is not really like an apocalypse movie. Like if someone's talking about like, you know, Annihilation, they're not going to be like, oh, it's a great disaster flick or like an apocalypse flick. It's going to be like, no, this is a like insular sci-fi movie. So it's going to be a one. I think a Dutch register because uh, this is a dangerous thing, but uh, not really, you know, more of a metaphor. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm a willing to give points. I'm just like looking at scores I've given here where the core was a five, you know, maybe based on what we've watched, it goes up a bit, but it's a good specific- core sample. specifically everything everywhere all at once, which I gave a three. And the reasoning behind the low score was we were presented with the idea of the everything bagel that we would thought would destroy the universe. When in reality, it was a tool used to destroy its creator uh, to end their uh, overarching experience of everything all at time. This really does. I mean, it, as you said, it's it's uh, it's local. It's like a local phenomenon. But it, I think, beyond some of the other things like, like Moonfall, um, if unchecked, this has the biggest potential to really just absolutely destroy Earth as we know it. Like you know, twelve monkeys, virus wiped out ninety five percent of the population. Um, if this problem wasn't solved there wouldn't be any it uh, it would eventually be zero percent of the population you know unless uh everyone would apparently turn into the flower people which you know might be chill there's there's worse things yeah um there's better things for sure so i think um trying to view it 
in in that way it's uh, it's to me it's the um it's the most interesting of the threats we've had but i think overall i'm agreeing with what you say but i want to give it like man i want to give it a four do it <sighs> you can give it a four you can legally do that. I gave Geostorm a four. This is a lot less apocalometry <laughs> than Geostorm. I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. Okay. Somebody didn't like Geostorm. Damn. Yeah, so going into the movie theater. Movie theater. Going into the movie meter, I, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. I fucking love this movie. Mm-hmm. It captured my imagination, I think, better than most sci-fi movies. And that's saying something because sci-fi is like my favorite genre. And I was just so blown away and having no expectations. Just Denali texting me and be like, hey, watch this movie. I can't watch it because I am just got bonked in the noggin. <laughs> but I read the books. And uh, the I don't know. There's something that you can't grasp about this movie. Like it's, it, You can't just like reach out and take a hold of it and be like, I have it all in my hand. Like You can grab some of it, but then someone else is like, yeah, but I grabbed something that's totally different than that. And that's... Like we talked about, that's kind of the reason why I love movies. I don't love them because they're like making a lot of money for Gerard Butler. (laughs) I like them because they kind of say something interesting and it's a fun way to spend an evening when you feel like you're looking at art for two hours. I think the best performance in the movie, like I said, was uh, Dr. Ventress, Jennifer Jason Leigh. She plays this understated character and you think like when you first start watching the movie, you're like, well, how do they get this like normal person into the on the movie set and make them say the lines? Because they're just like they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, they they don't care about what's going on at all. They're not yeah. interested at all. And that was such a different take on acting, not just on like type of character, but like on acting that I don't know of any similar performances and usually we say like you know people are overacting you know when we try to critique acting and then sometimes you can you can underact and a lot of the times when we have this these characters who are supposed to be kind of like low-key and you know chill or cool under pressure we feel like that's what the the like really inspired roles are, oh, this guy did really, really good. He kept his cool and he was like a normal person. But then again, like I feel that uh, an, an understated performance is a lot of the times overrated. But when I saw, I didn't even recognize her. I've seen her in so many movies. And then I like had to go on IMDb and like, who the hell is that? Because usually she's like got a lot of personality. And right. she's like really quick-witted and stuff. And she's tough. But in this movie, she's just like, yeah. We could go in there. And once again, it's really hard for me to describe why I love her character so much. And this is my third viewing. I didn't realize that she had cancer until this movie. Like this viewing, I mean. Like the character. The character. Yeah. And that makes everything make like so much sense thematically that she didn't care. She was trying to brush off. It's not a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. It kind of is, and she just doesn't care because she has cancer. And that is just terrific writing, number one, for, for it to be this character who is trying to keep something secret, was able to keep it secret from me, who proudly proclaims that I love this movie and I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's there's something intangible about everything in this movie. And uh, I think, yeah, there's not much more I can say. Uh, the professor trope, I guess, is one thing I made a note of that I, that I really liked. 
uh, in a lot of my favorite sci-fi movies, there's the trope that the main character is a professor. And thankfully, a lot of the times it turns out to be a woman. But like in Arrival, you know, uh, Amy Adams' character is a professor. And then in Don't Look Up, we have a scientist being the main characters. Even, in, I guess, in Moonfall, right? There's like, that's kind of a vibe. I mean, he was like a <laughs> he was like a conspiracy scientist, right? Wasn't he like a hollow moonologist? Oh, right. He was impersonating a professor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, but in this case, like Natalie Portman was a professor. And so they went to her and she's like an expert. That's great. We should be calling those people in the fix our real problems in the real world. Uh, but don't call them just like celebrities. Um, I think I'm going to give this movie a nine. I've sat on this a lot, and for someone who says this is one of my favorite movies ever, it might, might not make a lot of sense why I'm giving it a nine, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I can't describe it, but <laughs> this movie could be better because it could be three hours long. Um, I think a lot of the time it's these slow burn movies I'm set in. I'm like, this is an epic. I'm going to yeah. put this on because I want this vibe. This is going to be my whole night. Let's go. But mm-hmm. when it's an hour and 55 minutes... Like, I feel like there could have been a lot more included, and I'm not worried about it selling to the masses. Well, they were, and they were wrong, so, ha, like, do it my way. <laughs> okay, that's it. More worms and stomach scenes yeah. in the three-hour cut. <laughs> no, yeah, just, like, hour. just like a half hour, just watch that whole video. <laughs> God, that was so bad. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, I mean, I, I agree. I, I also love this movie. I mean, it's no secret just from how we've been talking about it for, like, the past hour or so. Um, going into it, I was like super apprehensive at first, like my first watch through a couple years ago, um, uh, because I, I like loved this book series. I didn't know if they were going to do it right. Um, and they like didn't do it right, but it, it was excellent. <laughs> like, it, like that's the first time I've ever had that happen where they just did not give a, like, I, apparently they didn't give a fuck about, like, you know, copying the book over. Um, and it turned out even better. I think if they did a one-to-one adaptation, the like the movie wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't be as effective. So much about that book is the vibe and the way it's written. That's that belongs on the pages. I think this is the best possible movie adaptation you could have done for something like this. And I think it was effective in what it was trying to do. There's this deep sense of cosmic horror that's very Lovecraftian in this movie. I think everyone kind of gets that when they watch it. I mean, even if you don't like it, you're very uncomfortable when you see it at a visceral level. I mean, it's kind of like this sense of uncanny valley where you see like the roots go growing through someone's skin mm. or like you see that scene where the worms are slithering inside somebody. That's like a very visceral reaction. And when you're tapping into those emotions, it's very powerful, particularly if you're, you're digging into themes of like mutation and cancer and like, you know, uh, like body horror. Uh, and I, I think this movie really nailed those things. Um, the atmosphere, the score, the shots in this movie were, were all really excellent. I don't know how they scored a cast this good. I mean, th- the screenplay just must have been super fucking hype um, for them to, to do this. Um, so I was I was happy to see it. Natalie Portman, when she was casted as the biologist, I was just like, fuck yeah, that was like my dream casting. Um, I feel like she, she would just really nail this role, and, and she did. Um, you know, Ryan mentioned Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, Amber actually like talked about her scene too, uh, where, where she was just kind of like, I, she's like, at first I thought she was like a bad actor and I had the same reaction, but then I was like, no, no, no. She's actually like a really good actor. She's too good. <laughs> as it, as it like progressed, you're like, oh, this, she's doing like a really weird character. Um, and her, her affect was so strange. Um, but I feel like all the actors had an element of that too. Like even Oscar Isaac, when he comes back as like the mimic or, or members of, of the team as they, as they kind of like mentally break down. 
I don't think it really failed in any regard. Um, for that reason, like, I think I'm still going to give it like a nine, similar to Ryan. I'm, I leave room at the top for movies that are like, leave me totally like rapturous. Like everything everywhere all at once for me was a 10. I feel like I had a really strong connection to that movie. And that's why I leave tens for or like interstellar. However, a nine is a pretty fucking good score. This I will recommend this movie to like everybody, uh, fans of the book or just fans of sci-fi in general. Um, good ass movie. Um, I think I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to bring up two things, uh, something that I liked and some stuff that I, I didn't like. Um, I've been reading a lot about about languages and linguistics recently and specifically about prosody and that the English language is a now I'm going to forget every single thing about it. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the stresses in the English language can are, are dictated on on volume, but also pitch. So when I say a word like that, that I want to emphasize, I will say it louder and I will uh, maybe even say it at a higher or lower pitch. Um, compared to compared to different languages that function maybe only on pitch. And I thought uh, that's something that I'm researching right now and learning about. And I thought it was very interesting in the opening scene that Natalie Portman's character delivers almost all of her lines, very monologue, very flat. Um, and it, it almost it almost gives you the sense that after she's given this lecture, when she's talking to her coworker, that he says, you know, we'll come to find that she cheated with this man, but uh, he says, all work and no fun, it's unhealthy. She was talking very flat. It almost gives the image that the cancer cells in the lecture were hers and that maybe she is unhealthy. And um, like viewing the movie, the start of the movie in this way made me think about it in a way that I hadn't before upon multiple viewing. So um, it was very interesting to me in a high point that you can even if it might not be technically correct, you can, you know, view these things from the start to the finish and and you can sit in your own mind and be like, oh, what if that is the reason that she's going into the shimmer? Because like, uh, I think Vanessa's character who did have cancer, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe that's a reason. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then one thing, I, I think I would actually have to agree with that major producer that I think the end of the movie uh, where I would take points off of my rating is that final sequence um a lot of it's really beautiful i like the, i like a lot of the things as they melt like the crystal trees it's just a beautifully imagined world that i've never seen anything like it would be amazing to be there but i i've got two gripes with it the the line it's the last phase vanished into havoc unfathomable unfathomable mind now beacon now see which is a quote which doesn't it's like I, I like cool. it, it, <laughs> it, it. It took me. It's like if if I can't if I can't pinpoint the quote to like get it and be a part of it, and it just sounds like gibberish, which these two sentence words or two word sentences combined together do sound like. I can see why people would not appreciate that. They would be like, they'd be like, what? And it, it that scene moves into Doctor Ventress, Ventress, not Vanessa, um, literally being dissolved and turned into what is called a mandel bulb. No, what? what? A mandel, the, the, uh, the thing that she turns into okay. is called a mandel bulb. It's a three-dimensional fractal constructed, this is from the Wikipedia, constructed for the first time in 1997 by Jules Ruiz, Ru 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 and in 2009 further developed by Daniel White and Paul Neidler using spherical coordinates. 
It's a, basically it's a four. It's a four. It's a three D fractal. Crazy three D fractal. So they, you know, they put that into the scene where Natalie Portman's looking into the. This shit is dope, dude. I'm looking at fucking Google Images. Yeah, it, it looks cool as shit. Um, and you get that, and it seems like they blew a lot of money to make that because <laughs> when she blows the phosphorus grenade on the alien creature and it walks back down in, it looks like they spent 30 minutes making one flame in whatever CGI artwork they were doing, and then they just copy and pasted it and mirrored it around the entire room. <laughs> and right. I was... I'm. I'm I'm a bit trepidatious walking into it because of the quote thing that I really realized upon critical viewing. And I'm like, ah, oh. and I'm like, ah, oh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> so, um, the, the entire movie, like we've talked about is a hit. It's really enjoy. It, it's like filled with scenes that you'll just, you'll be enjoying the visual, the audio. I've watched it multiple times. I think I'll probably, uh, but I get, it's an eight. It's an eight for me. Wow. Jace hates this movie. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and actually, I think <laughs> if they did the end in a different way, in a slightly different yeah. way, it could be a 10. I'm surprised we had more than one good movie this season. Um, and probably because it's not very much of an apocalypse movie. Yeah, those are the two <laughs> things they have in common. <laughs> boy, oh boy, a real inverse relationship between movie score. <laughs> I'm curious to see our graphs at the end of this season. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any like uh, comments about this movie, drop it into our DMs. Um, let us know what you think about Annihilation. And uh, you know, if you're a book reader too, I want to hear like what you think about as well, because I have a lot of thoughts and you know you guys maybe check out those those dang books by jeff vandermeer you should just reread annihilation because uh you can't just pick up the second book after this it's fucking crazy if you want to dip your toes more into this like world you'll get more answers but you'll get even more questions you'll get like 10 times more questions if you thought this shit was confusing um just wait till you read those uh it looks like we do have our next movie pick with jace uh jace you, you, we kind of talked a little off mic but you, yeah. you said you had a you had a couple ryan ideas wasn't here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i was um i was floating the idea specifically so we've watched one i think one animated movie in 75 uh and it was clifford what? all dogs go to that heaven was, oh two well clifford was our first anime they're both in the dog season yeah Two two anime movies, both in the dog season. That makes sense. Um, so I was trying to I was I was trying to pinpoint end of the world and apocalypse uh, like uh, an apocalypse movies and was like mm, Ice Age maybe mm. and then I was like Yuri was like oh uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse or uh, the the first animated one and and like yeah you know that has some sort of yeah some like, localized kind of world or universe ending type of thing um, and neither of them really like hit and I couldn't come up with anything and until I was just so magnificently perusing uh, a thread and there's this old anime that's like it's a titular <laughs> robot anime that has. A movie that was supposed to be essentially episodes 25 and 26. Um, and uh, it's called Neon Genesis Evangelion, the end of <laughs> Evangelion. And I, I saw in a thread somebody was like, do not fucking watch this movie if you have not watched the TV show. <laughs> so I, I, I have, um, I've got a picker wheel. <laughs> oh my yes. God. What? I've got a picker wheel. And, uh, what's oh on my it God. you know I, okay, hold on i've seen 
quite a bit of the TV show, but I haven't seen the movie. And I know everybody, <laughs> like, it's in the one of the top rated movies on Letterboxd. Oh, oh yes, oh my God. I love all three of these. The letterbox okay. is huge. So I, I was like, I was like, what's the one thing we haven't seen? We haven't seen a zombie end of the world movie, and we haven't yes. really seen anything that's a hard comedy. So uh, straight out of the gate, Shaun of the Dead and Train to Busan. Okay, hell yeah, they're both bangers. And then I was like, oh my God, I have to put Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> on there oh because it, it doesn't. It's gonna be. So this is like the Shark Boy and Lava Girl off my last picker wheel. Yeah, yeah. But with a way bigger market share. Ne- Neon Genesis okay. Evangelion is like a true end of the world apocalypse. Like That's a good robot. movie, everybody says. Yeah. Can I just say, and we were talking about this too, I've never seen Neon Genesis. I've seen like the it's first two. It's pretty weeby. Yeah, I've seen like the first two episodes and I was I had to pick it up again. I was like, ah, I'll just watch it again later. So if I see this last movie, you guys are condemning me to never properly enjoy Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah, to watch the episodes. <laughs> you have one yeah. week. Good luck. To watch 26 <laughs> episodes of this 90s anime. <laughs> I believe I have to buy them. <laughs> and this is this is the good movie, right, Jace? Because there's an alternate reality movie. Yeah, there well, is. Like, so I believe episodes 25, 26 got turned into a movie that left a lot of people kind of upset uh okay. wasn't very like film quality-esque um and i believe the end of evangelion is the so-called remake a little bit later more film-esque wraps everything up i don't know they're man the zero star and one star reviews or whatever on letterbox are the funniest thing dude i've I- never seen the anime what the fuck is this <laughs> no dude also okay the reviews for Annihilation are so funny. Well, the top one is like, this is what it feels like to chew five gum. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there are there are some Damn good letterbox reviews, like, unironically slap. Okay. This is a, an alarming amount of this, this picker wheel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I guess now's my chance to watch Neon Genesis, maybe backwards. Boy, oh boy. This is, <laughs> this is some wild shit. Um, all right, Jace, Here like, let's fucking do we it. we go. Oh. Oh, my God, it's spinning. It's going. Oh! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, good thing we just spent the last five minutes talking about it. I, I think we're going to be really upset with me <laughs> come next week. Dude, we're going to get you so many nerds watching. You can't fucking do this. You can't <laughs> so fucking bad. do this. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna click. We can done do, here. No, we can do this. So we're watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. I am so excited to see this movie and get my first taste it of this not, great acclaimed. You're not anime. doing a real good job here. You wanted to give that another take. <laughs> this is gonna be torture, I think. Uh, which was I, the I'm point? So, but I'm I'm so excited, and I hope you guys can fill me in. Uh, and, and this this movie made 2.47 billion yen in the box office <laughs> you got me dude that's you a actually, lot you had me i don't know how much that is but i know this was a big movie um and do you guys want to i forgot to do it last episode do you guys want to do like a gbgb thumbs up corner like a recommends you know we did like a recommends before and i kind of like that like do you guys have anything you want to recommend this week some stuff on your mind or just like things that are giving you a thumbs up feeling things that are happening in your life I so I had something this week. I was like, I remember the last couple times I've copped out. I remembered something this week. Oh, and I forgot it. 
Oh. So uh, right now I'm going to recommend, I haven't, so keep in mind, I haven't read the Annihilation book, but my favorite um, fantasy book in a way that sci-fi and fantasy are kind of interrelated, it gives me the same vibe. It's very wordsmithy. And I would like to see a movie adaptation or make one or something like that. You know, like imagine that's like a dream, but like of this movie and once again not have someone follow the plot exactly but kind of having like i want to see someone else's take of it because my worldview of this movie is like so fucking weird and i wonder what other people would imagine if they're making it uh it's called uh shadow of the torturer you were I telling think. me about this ryan yeah kinky that's like the actual name there's a lot of like there's like a lot of subtitles and stuff and my two the two people who've read the book um will be upset if i got it wrong uh so actually during thanksgiving i had two friends over and they both are from different parts of my life and they both came over and they're like carbon copies of the same person <laughs> and they were they were the old only two people who had read shadow of the torture and uh they were like you're the only person i've ever met that's read it <laughs> spider-man moment yeah this um the cover of this book is fucking sweet too. Yeah. Um I added it to my Goodreads, Ryan, when you recommended it to me. And I'm still I'm still getting there. Um it, it sounded cool. Dude, 80s, 90s fantasy cover art schlaps. So good. Like Dude, so good. Insane. If you can read like the first page or even the first three sentences of this book, and mm-hmm. you'll be like, okay, I should probably read that. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. And it's also this sci-fi. Is a book. It's also sci-fi. It's like it's actually mm-hmm. not fantasy. It's sci-fi. If you're uh, oh, yeah. if you're uh, you know in your local library, uh, as you're listening to this podcast, for some reason, the Dewey Decimal oh. Code is eight thirteen point five four nineteen. Oh, there we Thanks, go. Jason. Maybe that'll help a lot. Shout out Dewey. Yeah, shout big big ups to Dewey. Dewey. Um, and maybe if you're in those library computers, just maybe log in and rate our podcast five stars yeah. as well while you're in there. Give, get the library an account on Spotify and then five stars. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Jace, do you have something you want to recommend this week? Pellet smokers? Pellets? Did you say pellet smokers? Yeah. For, Is that like yeah, a my band? my dad's or? big on it. For, for smoking <laughs> food. He finally, he finally switched to a pellet and he won't shut up about it. He's like... It's got Wi-Fi. I can control it from my phone. <laughs> what? Oh, is it like a meat smoker? Yeah, like, like a, you, a yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so you got a smoker? You've been putting up some smoker content, mm-hmm. uh, Jace. You got what's uh? What was your most recent uh, smoking project? Smoking ribs right now. Smoking ribs. How They're long does that take? Four and a half hours, maybe, with a good rest. 30, 30 oh. 45 minute rest. Oh yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds pretty nice. Put a oh, put a pork shoulder in at midnight. Yeah. Pull it out at 10 a.m. It's ready to shred. So is this something that goes in your house or outside? Outside, yeah. Do you have yeah. a home insurance? <laughs> All right, pellet smokers. Um, that's been enlightening your life, Jace, you know? Yeah, and it's very, like, late 20s, early 30s thing to do. It's like a pre-dad thing. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's the dad skill that you need to get before you have, like, a kid. It's like Ryan, and so it's already in grade. Ryan <laughs> likes Geostorm. I smoke yeah. meat. What do you do? Generally like playing bass. Yeah, I'm not very dad like. I guess is playing is playing instruments. I guess dad like. Yeah. I guess learning an instrument in your 20s yeah. is very pre dad. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah, like for I guess for for my recommends uh, this week, I'll, I'll I'll do two recommends. Okay, uh, the first one is gonna be uh, this album by Alex G, who's like one of my favorite artists. Uh, he has an album called House of Sugar. 
um, that he that's one of my favorite albums. It always reminds me of the fall, but he actually uh, like watched Annihilation as inspiration for the album. A lot of his music is really like considered experimental, but it's like very, very good pop music that has this really weird, sinister quality to it. Like it feels like something's wrong, um, but it also is really beautiful. And I think it kind of reflects the aesthetic of this movie. If you like the marriage between those two types of like textural aesthetics, you know, might maybe check out House of Sugar by Alex G. And then uh, my my other one is, is is an album I've been listening to just more recently. Uh, this one is is a Dope Smoker by Sleep. Uh, there was recently a re- remaster of this album. Uh, it was recorded in 1996. This was a legendary stoner rock album that I've always wanted to listen to. I listened to it just in like this past month, and it is a fucking joy. <laughs> it's just the heaviest, slowest, sludgiest metal album I've ever heard. It is one fucking song. It is one hour long, and it's just this whole album. It's called Dope Smoker, and it's the whole uh, theme of the album is that it's a seance for these uh, weed-smoking aliens called the Weedians, and it's like this big religious ceremony. It's metal as fuck, and it's ridiculous. The uh, opening lyric is, drop out of life with bong in hand. It's amazing. So uh, Dope Smoker by Sleep is my other (laughs) album recommendation this week. I just played both of them silently in the background, so they're in my recently played. I have an album that I listened to that I really liked that was just kind of instrumental, but it's only on my phone. That's my camera right now. So maybe next week. (laughs) Yeah, drop drop it in the chat. Drop it in next week. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for joining us for Annihilation. And uh, for you anime fans... Ooh. We're gonna be we're gonna be watching Neon Genesis Evang was it end of Evangelion end is of the, e- Evangelion yeah e- a lot of the E's there yeah it's kind of like everything everywhere all at once where you can kind of go and make mm-hmm. a dolphin sound <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of heat for that episode and I can't wait <laughs> from all of those anime fans recommend us uh, to, to your local anime fan um, do you know any mutants recommend us to them too. Like, you know, anyone who's like half alligator or like, you know, like half bird or something or tree, uh, that would be good. Thanks for joining us. And then uh, do we want, is there, is there something we want to say to the audience? See you, nerds. (laughs) 